Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Creating Knowledge Income podcast. I'm Paul Erickson, and today we're talking about the secret of working from home. You're going to want to listen to this today. You're listening to the Creating Knowledge Income podcast with the best host in the world, Paul Erickson. Was that good, Dad? I'm so glad that you could join me today in listening to this podcast. I'm going to get right into it. My first podcast was a little bit of a ramble only because there was a topic that didn't necessarily have uh, milestones that we could point to and say, this is what you need to do next, this is what you need to do next, and so on. Uh, The subject was gratitude, and it was just something more from my heart. And this topic today, though, is very practical and will include some just some very simple things that you can do to be productive during this time in particular. So how has this impacted you? Are you working from home now? Or maybe this is actually the motivation that you've needed to begin something from home something that you've wanted to do for some time, whatever the case, I think that you will find today's podcast super helpful. So let's just jump right into that. I'm I'm going to make some assumptions that you are now working from home. Whether or not you always have been doesn't matter. Um, Even if you've been working from home for 10 years, I think that you'll find this helpful, at least a refresher, a reminder. And so I hope that you'll you'll stay listening because uh, I know it'll be an encouragement to you. So, the secret from working from home really comes down to one word, and everything else depends on this one word, routine. You must establish a routine. And the reason why is it's too easy, if you don't have a routine, to fall out of good habit patterns that enable you to be more productive. So having a good routine in place, something that you can depend on and go to day to day really will help you be successful. My grandparents lived to be in their 90s. They were married, bless their hearts, for over 70 years. I I think 76 years, if I remember correctly. And just good old salt of the earth type people. And um, in in the next podcast, I, I intend to tell a story about them that it just will make you smile. Uh, but be that as it may, they they were people of routine. Every time we'd go and visit them, it was it was just what they did every day that got them through every day. Now, by this time, they were, were had been retired for many many years, but they still had a routine, even though they weren't working. They met weekly, at least weekly. On the same day, at the same time, though the place might change, uh, the men of the neighborhood would get together. My grandfather would would meet with them um, at at either their house or one of the neighbor's houses, but it was every Sunday afternoon at a certain time, which I can't remember the time, not important. And no agenda. It was just these guys getting together. And I remember the first time that I was invited to join them. Now, before they had gone, when I'd visit and and I was a kid, you know, small, um, too small to go to these things. And so I was never invited and I was envious, you know, why can't I go? And I remember the first time I was invited to come along, I was 19 years old. And I remember sitting there 
thinking, today, I am a man. <laughs> and, and so I tried to, you know, find out where I could fit into this conversation. And, you know, they were talking about sports teams that I wasn't really interested in. They were talking about a lot of topics that, frankly, just were way over my head. And so I really didn't feel like anything, um, like I could contribute anything worthwhile. But I was just glad to be there. And, the, and really, the point is, that was something that they all did every Sunday, unless, of course, something prohibited them, like being sick or something like that. Um, my grandparents would uh, wake up pretty much at the same time every day. Grandma would start on breakfast. She'd been a homemaker pretty much all of her life. But things just happened. You just knew what time it was because of their routine. My grandfather was legally blind, but he, because of his routine, he knew his way around the house. And this was astonishing. We'd go driving somewhere. He'd say, well, I need to go to the hardware store and get something. And so, uh, you know, I'd have to drive because he was legally blind. And so we'd get in the car and I'd drive. And we'd be driving to the town and he'd say, okay, now after the next uh, stop sign, you'll need to turn right. And he just said he'd know his way around. Like, how do, how do you do this? You have curb feelers on? I mean, but out of routine, he just knew how long it would take to get from one place to the next. He'd lived there all of his life. Um, and the, just the familiar, it was just familiarity. That is really key. Have a routine. Plan on getting up at the same time every day, starting your day the same way. Now you think, well, that maybe you think that sounds boring and mundane and so on. But trust me, it won't. What it does is it, it alleviates your mind from having one more thing to think about, one more thing to worry about, so that you can focus on what you really should be focusing on. So a lot of people mock Steve Jobs uh, for his wardrobe choice, which was almost always blue jeans and a black turtleneck. I, I mean, they're very seldom do you see pictures of him in anything but, you know, I mean, in his... Most of his adult years, that was what he wore. And the reason why is his wardrobe was filled with that. And the reason why is like he, he said, I just don't need one more thing to, to uh, one more decision to make today. I'm going to be making enough decisions. I don't need that to be one of them. And there's a lot of truth to that. I'm not saying you have to go to that extreme, but, but having an established routine is part of that same idea. I want to use my brain to focus on what I need to focus on and not have one more thing to decide. Wake up at a, at a set time every day. Make that just part of your plan. Get your coffee, your tea, whatever it is that, that lubricates your motor in the morning. Um, I, I get my coffee. I read my Bible. I read the news. That way, as Zig Ziglar famously said, I know what both sides are up to. <laughs> and, uh, and I spend about a half an hour writing in my journal, writing down what I'm thankful for, planning my day, listing out, here's what I hope to accomplish, and so on and so forth. And, and that's time that I protect. I need that time so that I'm functional the rest of the time. Think of it this way. You, you might think, well, that's selfish. I want to spend time with my kids and I want to spend time with uh, my family. Da, 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 da. But think about it this way. When you're on an airplane, before the plane takes off, there are the safety procedures that a flight attendant, that the flight attendants review with you before that plane can take off. And one of those things is the oxygen mask. Now, those of you who have flown 
know where I'm going with this. The oxygen mask, they tell you, is going to fall. If there's a loss of cabin pressure, it's going to fall. Put the mask on yourself first before you put it on the person next to you, before you assist your children or maybe somebody who um, is not able to put it on themselves. And the reason why is because you only have seconds to do that. If you don't put it on yourself first, then you could very easily lose consciousness and then you're not helping anybody. So getting up in the morning with a routine, starting your day, planning, taking that protected time is taking care of, is putting the oxygen mask on yourself first so that you can help other people in your life, whether that's your family, businesses, co-workers, and so on and so forth. Okay, so I'm very serious when I say routine. That is the foundation for everything else that I'm going to be talking about today regarding the secret of working from home. I've been working from home for many years and found this out the hard way. If you don't have a routine, everything else is going to fall apart. Now, that doesn't mean that everything has to be the same way every day. But during the weekday, for example, Monday through Friday, I get up at a certain time, and like I say, I, I have that 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes where I plan for everything. I get ready for the day, even if I'm not going anywhere. And during these times, who is? <laughs> but even if I'm not going anywhere, I get ready. I wash my face, I comb my hair, I put on work-appropriate clothing here in Arizona. I wear shorts, but I wear a nice shirt. And look like I would if I was going into an office for whatever the function is that day. And I'm not limiting that routine to work. That also applies to, for example, if you are used to going to the gym, and this is especially important during this coronavirus quarantine period that we're in. So you can't go to the gym now because the gyms are closed. What do you do? Well, you get a good home workout and you put that in your daily routine in the same place where you would have gone to the gym. If you're a lunchtime gym rat, then plan on taking your lunch hour and going to your home gym. Make that part of your routine. I usually would do a light workout in the morning because I do that while I'm fasting in the morning. Um, autophagy and all that sort of thing. You can Google it. <laughs> Intermittent fasting. Um, or then, in the, well, not or, in the evening is when I usually would do my harder workout. And so I still do that. I just do it at home. And so that way I keep that routine. Now, the weekends, a little bit easier, you know, allow yourself some slack and unless you are needing to work on the weekend, but then I still maintain my, my yard. I help my daughter's garden, um, and, you know, home maintenance and all those sorts of things that we typically tend to, to um, assign to a Saturday. Sunday, we still go to church. We just do it online and so on and so forth. But you get the idea. You've got to have established routine. If you don't have an established routine, you'll drive yourself nuts. You won't be productive and it'll add a lot more stress to your life. How valuable is this? Now, this sounds so simplistic, doesn't it? And it sounds maybe benign and mundane, as I've been saying. But a routine is very powerful. Uh, POWs during Vietnam oftentimes would, would break up the monotony of their day 
particularly those, I mean, you know, most of those who are in solitary confinement, this is really what I'm talking about, they would create a routine, something simple that they would do every day. Um, and, and I can't remember the specific details of specific soldiers. But what has stuck with me is that, for example, one soldier, his routine was to brush his teeth at the same times every day. And, and it gave him a sense of normalcy. That routine helped establish his mind. It gave him a purpose, something that he would look forward to, just brushing his teeth. Maybe it was exercising in whatever confines that they had a certain way. But the point is, what got them through those difficult times was having a routine, scheduling in things that they looked forward to, um, even if it was just a mental exercise. Okay? So... From routine, that brings us, so that's point number one, routine. You've got to have a routine. It's the foundation for everything. The next thing is scheduling. Now, that's part of routine, yes, but it's being more uh, more tactical in, not tactical, it's being more strategic in using your routine to your advantage. You've got to schedule things. So, so for example, schedule when you're going to wake up, yes. Schedule when you're going to have your workouts. But also, schedule your breaks. Don't forget to schedule, schedule your breaks. Schedule time for reading. If you are taking my online course, for example, or you're taking some other online course, schedule time for that. Because if you don't schedule those times, you won't get those things done. Schedule time to spend with your family. Um... If the schedule becomes too burdensome for you, then maybe you're overdoing it. But having that same, and I'm not saying schedule every minute. What I am saying is at least schedule the default things that should happen every day. At this time, I wake up. At this time, and again, this goes back to routine, but this is when I eat. This is when I work out, spend time with kids, read, take an online course, um, so on. You know, learn a language, whatever the case is. Maybe now you have a whole lot more free time. Don't just watch TV. Don't watch, you know, Amazon Prime Video and Netflix and rot your brain. I mean, take schedule the time to do that. But make sure that you stay in control of it and don't let it control you. So that and plan those breaks. Plan after working, uh, you know, for if you if you're a Pomodoro method of timekeeper, you know, do the 25 minutes. Do the five minutes, but plan for the big 15-minute to 30-minute breaks, lunch, and so on and so forth. Give yourself something to look forward to. That way you can work and be productive, and your mind, you can tell yourself, okay, this is a task I'm not looking forward to right now. Maybe if it's a particularly challenging thing you're working on, work project or whatever, but by telling yourself, you know what, I can do this for a half an hour. All I need to do is spend a half an hour to knock this out, and then I can go get a cup, a, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. I can go read. I can do something else that I want to do. I can play with my kids, wrestle with them on the floor for 15 minutes, whatever. But just something to break that work uh, routine. You've got to do that to, in order to keep the work-life balance going. And again, schedule those things. Um, so that way, um, it helps you to establish your routine. Which brings me to my next point. So have a routine, schedule every day what you're going to do to to fulfill that routine, to make that routine happen. And that will help you set expectations with your family, particularly if you have young kids at home. Or 
even uh, extended family members who are living at home with you, so that they know this is my protected time, and I've got to have this time to get these things done. So, and, and having this routine, even printing it out if you need to, putting it in a spreadsheet or on a calendar, something printable, put it in a place where they can look at it and see, okay, what is mom and dad doing next? Um, what are you doing next? So they know what to expect. And again, that will just help the overall mood in the home because they know exactly where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing, and so on and so forth. And and hopefully they will get on board and do the same thing. Um, this is going to be helpful for those of you who are now homeschooling who hadn't before. Having a set time where your kids go to school, air quotes, right, go to school. They are going to school. It's just not in a brick and mortar place. It's at home. And so that way they also have this routine and expectation. Uh, they know what's expected of them during this time. This is going to help them too. Maybe even keeping somewhat of the same schedule that they had when they were in the brick and mortar school. And that way they can look forward to a time of a recess where they can go in the backyard and play, a lunchtime, um, and you get the idea. Maybe even scheduling some FaceTime calls with their friends so that they can keep in contact with them and, and so on. But, but again, schedule those things. Having the routine and scheduling those things will help set expectations for them, all right? So planning your breaks, planning all of those kinds of things. Now, again, don't get into so granular that you're planning out every minute, but think in, think in terms of blocks of time. Now, by doing that, it frees up your mind by saying, you know, I don't have to worry about this thing until this afternoon or tomorrow. Right now, all I need to do is the next one thing that is going to get me closer to my goal. Um, side note here, if you haven't read the book, The One Thing, um, you need to. And I will put a link to that book in the description for this podcast. Routine, schedule, plan your breaks helps uh, planning pretty much, you know, blocks of time will help to set expectations for everybody in the home, include your workouts in that. And that is going to help tremendously. That, that really is everything about the success of working from home. Now, <clears throat> what we've talked about... <clears throat> What we've talked about so far really is the most precious commodity that we have, time. It's all about managing that time. If you don't get a hold of that beast and, and tame it, everything else is going to be thrown out of whack. When we were expecting our first child, I, I did not grow up around small children. I, my expectations were just in outer space. I had no idea what I was doing. I, my, my greatest fear was not knowing how to change a diaper. And I'm really, that sounds silly. You may laugh, and I grant you that. But really, I had no idea. So I went to the hospital where we were planning to have our firstborn, um, had a thing called Daddy Boot Camp. And it really was run by a former Marine um, drill sergeant, <laughs> and and I had called ahead to say that I had a previous engagement, and I wasn't able to make it on time, but I would get there as soon as I can. Well, I got there five minutes after the class had started, and I walked through the doors, and 
<laughs> and this Marie, I mean, and he looked like he was still gung-ho Semper Fi. And I love the guy. But I walked in and he said, he looked at me, kind of gave me this cross-eyed stare and said, and to the rest of the group, the rest of the men in the room, he said, and that's everything you need to know about being a father. <laughs> and then looked at me and said, oh, I see we have our first volunteer. And, you know, he was obvious. I thought, I just painted the biggest target on my back and I'm going to be volunteering for everything else in this class. But it was a great great class. And I'll never forget the, the lesson. Obviously, I love when people say, I'll never forget, because that's obvious, because they're going to tell you what they just never forgot. So here's what I never forgot. He said, the secret to raising a newborn baby is all about dad getting his sleep. It's all about dad getting his sleep. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, but what about mom? <laughs> and what about, you know, that's all, I think, Probably all of the guys in that class were thinking, hopefully, the same thing, like, really? And he said, let me put it to you this way. If you don't get enough sleep, you can't be as helpful to your wife as she would like you to be. You can't function as well at work. You can't function as well at home. You've got to get your sleep. And everything that he taught about that day had to do with making sure that you put things in place so that you get enough sleep. For example, putting, you know, we had the, the bassinet next to the bed. We had the milk ready to go in the, in the bottle warmers and all that sort of thing right there so that we wouldn't, all we'd have to do is just reach out a hand, grab what we need, put the bottle in baby's mouth or whatever, um, and take care of those issues just right there without even having to get to bed so that way you can take care of what needs to be taken care of and then get right back to sleep and arranging everything so that way you get the rest that you need. And he was absolutely right. The other thing that he said also was, everybody's going to come and offer you all kinds of advice. The family members that you haven't seen in years are suddenly the pro experts on your child. And he said, you know what? If God wanted them to be the expert on your child, he would have given your baby to them. But God made you the expert of your child. That's why he gave that baby to you. Now, what does it have to do with all of this? Well, same thing. God has given you the time that you have, but you have to be in control of that time. One of the sayings of the Lone Ranger, I used to watch the Lone Ranger growing up and, and loved the Lone Ranger. And one of the things he said is, God has given you everything you need to build the fire, but it's man's responsibility to go out and collect the wood. I love that. Same thing with time. You've got a tremendous tool that you can use, and that's time. But if you don't use it properly and it slips away from you, you will have lost a great opportunity. So using that time properly, putting the oxygen mask on yourself first, taking care of you so that you can be helpful to your family, to your business, and so on. That is really key. That's what this is really all about. It's getting that routine in place so that you can do that. Okay, but time is what we've been talking about. Now let's shift our thinking to space. Yes, we're talking about time and space. But we're talking about the actual space that you occupy to get your work done. 
So you've got to take a moment and think objectively about the kind of work that you do. For me, it's pretty easy. I work from my computer, and so I have a space where I have my computer and the things, you know, I've got multiple monitors, so I have a space assigned for that. So I'm fortunate that I, I live in a home where I have a room that is my office. If this were anybody else's house, it probably would be a bedroom, but for me, it's my office. Therefore, the decor in my office, the feel of my office, the furniture, all of that reflects that this is an office space. This isn't a day-to-day -day living space. It is different from the rest of the house. And the reason why is because when I'm done working and I walk out of this room, then in my mind, I am done working. I have put that off, you know, whatever time you finish working, you know, five o'clock, the bell has rung, the whistle has blown, and I'm done. And all of those things now that, you know, I've journaled it, I've written it down. So all of those loose ends that I wasn't able to tie up, I know I'll be able to get to the next day. And I can go to my space to get my workspace to, to do those things. But for now, I've left work and I'm in a home environment. I'm somewhere else. So managing your space where you work is equally as, as vital as managing your time because it's really going to enable your mind to be freed up to, and focused enough to think about the things you need to be thinking about, whatever the task is you're doing, whether that's home life or work life. Now, if you live in an apartment and you don't have a big space, it can be the corner of your apartment, a room, uh, you can get a sheet or or a room divider or something to to section off that area or even something on the floor. Maybe it's just a, a throw rug or something that you can put down that says this space is different from the rest of the house. And when I'm not facing this direction anymore, I have left work. The idea being that you can make an area your work area. You can make a room your office and and that becomes just like you protect your time, that becomes your protected space. The rule I have with my kids is no outside stuff comes in my office and nothing inside my office leaves my office. It's the same way with our cat. We have an indoor cat <laughs> and we don't have any outdoor cats. So we tell first-time guests, visitors, or you know, maybe there are repairmen that have to come, and sometimes you know they like to leave the door open as they come in and out. And we tell them, look, we gotta close the door, we have an indoor cat, and and to just keep this simple, what I say to them is, so our rule is this: no cats come in and no cats go out. That way all the cats are <laughs> where they should be. So you need to keep all your work cats where they should be. My when my daughters were younger, they would amble into the office and you know, they'd show me a doll or something that they were playing with. Isn't this cute, Dad? You know, and we'd play for a little bit. And then they'd drop the doll, get curious about what I was working on. And they'd leave and they'd leave the doll in the office. And after a while, you know, I'd start accumulating this mountain of not my stuff. And so what we had to establish was, look, nothing comes in here that doesn't belong in here and nothing leaves here that shouldn't leave here because scissors, you know, office scissors go missing, office pens go missing, office books go missing, you know, that sort of thing. So if you have small kids, very simply just say, look, nothing should come in this office and nothing should leave this office without my knowing it. And, and again, it will help keep your sanity. So manage your space. Uh, now, let's talk about the lesson. So we've talked about time and space. Let's talk about money.
you've got to manage the pennies. And I don't mean the actual pennies. Yeah, we, we manage pennies, you know, that's bank account business. What I'm talking about are those clients who are, air quote, those clients, close quote. And I mean that those clients who, you know, they're nice people, they mean well, but they bring you small projects which can suck your time away from the projects you really need to be working on. And it may be even friends or family who want to be clients and who want the bargain, the break, and so on. Please trust me on this from years of heartache working with clients like that, is that very seldom do those work out to being successful. And I know because they're friends and family, or because they're well-meaning or in a world of hurt right now, that they, they just desperately need your help, that they, that you agree to helping them and they become the least paying client with the biggest amount of problems. And you just don't have enough time in the world to help those people. I want to help them too, but the best thing that you can do for them, honestly, is to cut them loose because chances are it's something that they should really be figuring out on their own. I don't know how many times <laughs> my wife and I have joked about this over the years where she will say, honey, could you get this out of the fridge for me? And I'll go, this was when we were young, younger married, so I don't do this anymore. I've learned my lesson. I open up the refrigerator and without moving a thing, I'll say, no, honey, I can't see what you're asking for. You know, maybe she need, you know, maybe she wants um, uh, some, some jelly or something like that for the toast, you know, um, strawberry jam. And so I open the fridge and I, no, honey, I don't see the strawberry jam. And she will have said, but did you move anything? <laughs> In other words, did you like slide the milk over? Did you, did you move the cheese out of the way or did, you know, to look for it? Just because it wasn't on the front of the shelf doesn't mean it's not in the fridge. Now, that may seem absurd and silly, and it is. But oftentimes those penny clients are the same way. They just need to learn to move themselves. And the biggest favor that you can do for them is to kindly say to them, look, I would love to be able to help you right now, but I really don't have the, the time and I couldn't really do you justice in helping you. And so let me just, let, let's just have this phone call and I'll give you some ideas here. But I think this is really something that you can do on your own. And besides that, one thing that really was a boon in my thinking was realizing, you know what, I am not charging my clients enough. And the reason why isn't because I was trying to be greedy or make more money, but by charging more money, I felt obligated to do a better job. I could, I could produce a better quality product. I could strive for the excellence that I really wanted to strive with with my clients that I wouldn't do if I had a penny client paying me. So that's something to consider as well. You're not doing yourself any favors and you're really not doing your clients any favors by undercharging them. Charge them more and don't be afraid. Whatever it is you think, if you work on it, if you are a freelancer, if you are um, just starting out in a business that's, that charges by the hour, something along those lines, whatever you think you should be charging them, at least add 20% to that. And, and probably even 50% more than that, because I guarantee you, you're not charging enough. And by charging more, you are going to feel obligated to provide for them 
excellence, where before you would have just offered them average. Big difference. And the penny clients, you may be surprised. Some of them may step up and say, you know what? I see the value in what you're offering here, and I'm willing to pay that because even though it might hurt now, in the long run, this is what's really going to make me successful. Not always. That doesn't always happen. It seldom happens. But every once in a while, you, you may find that that does happen. So far, we've talked about the entire universe here. We've talked about time and space and money. There's not a whole lot left to talk about <laughs> regarding those things in the universe. The last principle I'd like to share with you, this last secret, applies to all of them. And it's something I call setting intelligent defaults. Intelligent defaults. Setting an intelligent default means instead of, now by default, if we don't think through this, if we just kind of do our average day, when there's something, uh, you know, there's a lull in our day where there's nothing left to do, maybe the, at the end of the day, and we've had dinner, we tend to just plop down on the couch, turn on the TV, fire up the iPad device, whatever. We watch a show, we play a game, and there's not a whole lot of productivity going on. There's not a whole lot of value being added there. I'm not saying that there aren't times where you shouldn't watch. I mean, you know, we, we need that downtime. So yeah, there are times when we, when we should play the game or, or watch something but not as often as we think. And what can happen very easily is if that becomes our default, then suddenly the time goes away and we lose track of, of what we're supposed to be doing, of our purpose and so on. So we want to reprogram what our default thinking is about when there's nothing left to do, what do I do now? Because we never give thought to that time. We just sort of drift back into, well, I think I'll just be a blob on the couch for a while. And, and like I said, I mean, there are times when we just need to be a blob. And the problem is we do that too often. So setting an intelligent default is, okay, I'm going to keep a list of things when there's nothing done. Like maybe I've had a really productive work day and I've gotten everything done. How often does that happen? But, but I've gotten everything done today that I wanted to get done. Now what? Well, having an intelligent default means you plan when and how you're going to be a blob. Now, I know that sounds funny, but that means, okay, if I choose to sit on the couch, I'm going to choose to do that for X amount of time, you know, maybe a half an hour or an hour, and I'm going to watch this show. And when it's done, then I'm going to go do this. Now, again, don't get so granular that you drive yourself crazy doing this. But the point is, not it's not about scheduling so much as it is having a default. What do you go to? If, you are, if there are some habits that you know are bad habits that you should be trying to get rid of, and that's because you've made that a default, what you need to do is reprogram what your default is. Okay, so when there's nothing left to do, you know what? I think I'm going to go into the kitchen and learn how to cook something healthy. Um, or, you know, something that you find enjoyable that is not just a bad habit. That is not just a bad habit. That's not a bad habit. That's not uh, something that's just a complete and utter waste of time. The old saying is, uh, poor people have big televisions 
rich people have big libraries. And there's a lot of truth to that. So maybe you think, well, I don't like to read. Well, maybe you haven't found something engaging enough, the thing that you would like to read. Um, So I, I personally, I'm not very much of a fiction reader. I like reading nonfiction. But every once in a while, a fiction book is engaging enough to to in, to keep me involved. And the next thing I know, wow, 45 minutes has gone by. But my brain has been engaged the entire time. I feel relaxed. I feel like I've had some, some downtime, some me time, whatever you want to call it. But I didn't just turn on the TV and tune out my brain. My brain stayed engaged because I was reading something that was engaging to me. And that might be something different for you. So... You know, during this time, hey, look, uh, libraries nowadays have online access where you can download, even if you don't have a Kindle device, maybe you've got some kind of tablet or a computer, you can download a Kindle app. A lot of times the libraries, you can check out a book for free and it'll download to your Kindle or, um, or they have an app at the library. Our library does both. We have an app that we can download and read right there, or I can have it download to my Kindle or maybe listen to an audio book. You get the idea. Something that engages you more than just watching a show. And I'm not saying you shouldn't watch a show. I'm just saying plan for that, but plan to be done. Set intelligent defaults instead of me falling back to this habit, this bad habit that I used to do when there was a lull, when there was just nothing else to do. Now I'm going to replace that with an intelligent default, something that I've thought about, something that is relaxing to me, but actually somehow enhances my life, encourages me, makes me smarter, makes me a better person, whatever the goal there for you is. And so setting those intelligent defaults in between the times, so you always have something worthwhile to go to in between your routine times, your scheduled times, when the work is done, when the family is engaged doing something else and you're by yourself, when you... um, have finished, you know, maybe you've you've taken an online course or you've read a book and your brain is like, mm, then then maybe even finding something artistic to do. Hey, you've always wanted to learn how to paint. What better time than this? Hey, you've always wanted to learn how to sculpt. You know, maybe I'll just borrow the kids Play-Doh and just try, you know, looking up an article and just see what I can do about that. Hey, I've always wanted to learn how to sketch. I think I'll try that. Or maybe I'll try writing. You know, just write some things down and get started. You have a huge opportunity to do all these things. All of this goes back to the secret of working from home, which is establishing a routine, scheduling the up and down times, setting those expectations with your family and with yourself, even planning your breaks, um, making sure that you've got your time taken care of, manage your space and manage your pennies, take care of those little clients that are really going to just suck the life out of your business and keep you from being successful. Do that kindly and graciously, but that is something that must be done. And set intelligent defaults, the things that you fall back to when there's nothing left to do. I hope this has been helpful for you. Um, I go back and, and think through this often to make sure that I'm not slipping away through these things. And, you know, it does happen. But during this time, particularly if you have never worked from home before, and this is just a whole new thing, I hope this has really been helpful for you. Very practical and an encouragement. You can do this. Uh, people have been doing it for centuries. I mean, just think about it. Before we lived in the industrial society that we live in now, 
we used to farm. We were agrarian. Or we'd smith, you know, blacksmith, woodsmith, uh, shoesmith. <laughs> I'm just making up smiths now. The point is, is that most of the time people did work from home. And, it, and, and people were just able to mentally shift from work to family. I just, I left the barn and now I'm home. And we can do it too. Um, so I hope this has been an encouragement to you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for listening. So remember, be smart, be good, be humble, but do it now. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Creating Knowledge Income Podcast with your awesome host, Paul Erickson. Awesome? Really, Dad? Anyway, you can subscribe to his podcast, YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram at paulerickson.com. So smash that like button, hit that subscribe, ring that bell, face the Facebook, and Insta the Instagram. All right, Dad, that'll be $5.